Episode 73, Church History, Part 29. Corruption in the Catholic Church and the growing power of new monarchs led to the Protestant Reformation and changes in religious beliefs, institutions, and culture in the 16th century. Christian humanists like Erasmus and dissenters like Martin Luther, John Calvin, and the Anabaptists criticized church doctrine, practices, and abuses. Religious reforms of Henry VIII and Elizabeth I empowered the English monarchy, while other rulers, such as Philip II of Spain, enhanced their power by embracing Catholicism. Perspil Vogel in Reformation and Religious Warfare in the 16th century. From the Roman Catholic Christian Church, different Christian religions were birthed. One, humanism, which convinced humans they are responsible for improving themselves. Humans can solve their own problems. From humanism came the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther's doctrine known as Lutheranism, which believed justification or being able to receive salvation is by God's grace. These teachings learned from Paul. Lutheranism was the state religion for Germany and Nordic countries in Northern Europe. From Lutheranism came Ulrich Swingley's theology in Switzerland, which believed that preaching should be based on scripture and baptism starts at infancy. And civil disobedience was allowed if the government acted against God's will. From Ulrich Swingley's theology, the Anabaptists were birthed. They believed you had to be baptized in the church, and baptism should take place when a person can confess their faith as an adult and not at infancy. Anabaptists called themselves Baptists. During the Protestant Reformation, John Calvin from France, a former follower of humanism who was influenced by the writings circulated by Martin Luther, believed in the justification by grace message and further believed in the absolute sovereignty of God. Calvin identified three tests that might indicate possible salvation. One, an open profession of faith. Two, a decent and godly life. And three, participation in the sacraments of baptism and communion. John Calvin was recruited by William Farrell to join the Reformation of Geneva. Calvin was hesitant at first, but Farrell told him if he didn't help in the Reformation of Geneva, God would punish him for his disobedience. What? So Calvin joined the Geneva Reformation in which their doctrine was a mixture of Lutheranism and Anabaptists with their personal emphasis on the sovereignty of God and living a godly lifestyle. This new doctrine was called Reformed Christianity or Calvinism, the start of the Presbyterian Church. Alec Ryrie, in his book, Protestants, states, Calvin, by contrast, had trained as a lawyer. He knew that structures matter and favored more participatory government. He insisted that pastors should never have control over money. More momentously, he distinguished pastors, the ordained ministers who preach and celebrate the sacraments, from the elders, senior laymen who would take charge of discipline and who would become the sharp edge of cultural revolution. Calvin saw the church as a covenant community in New Israel in which all were bound to be their brothers and sisters keepers. Historians note, the use of the term pastor to refer to the common Protestant title of modern times dates to the days of John Calvin and Ulrich Swingley. 
Both men and other reformers seem to have revived the term to replace the Roman Catholic priest in the minds of their followers. The pastor was considered to have a role separate from the board of presbyters. A pastor may be either ordained or commissioned, depending on the methods used to appoint a person into the role, with either way resulting in the same authority and responsibilities to provide shepherding and grace to a congregation. Wow. Yesiah never assigned anyone the role of a pastor or bishop or any of it. Calvin wanted to reform the world with his doctrine, and he took the approach of Swingley in forcing people to convert just as he was forced into the Geneva Reformation. Calvin believed the church had the authority and ability to enforce proper behavior. In supporting Calvin's proposals for reforms, the Council of Geneva passed the Ecclesiastical Ordinances in 1541. The ordinances defined four orders of ministerial function, pastors to preach and and to administer the sacraments, doctors to instruct believers in the faith, elders to provide discipline, and deacons to care for the poor and needy. Elders were ordered to maintain discipline. The 1541 Ecclesiastical Ordinance document created a church government that used both clergy and laymen in the service of the church. The consultory, a special body for enforcing moral discipline, was set up as a court to oversee the moral life and doctrinal purity of Genevans. As its power increased, the consultory went from fraternal corrections to the use of public penance and excommunication. More serious cases could be turned over to the city council for punishments greater than excommunication. During Calvin's last years, stricter laws against blasphemy were enacted and enforced with banishment and public whippings. This is per Spielvogel. We see Calvin, another European from France, a part of the Protestant movement, interpreting scripture in his own way and creating rules and laws for people to abide by when the teachings of Isaiah and the Torah were available for reference and training. Will Durant in his book, The Reformation, states, Calvin appointed a commission of five clergy men and six counselors, with Calvin at their head to formulate a new ecclesiastical code. In 1541, the Great Council ratified the resultant ecclesiastical ordinance whose essential features are still accepted by the Reformed and Presbyterian churches of Europe and America. The ministry was divided into pastors, teachers, lay elders, and deacons. The pastors of Geneva constituted the Venerable Company, which governed the church and trained candidates for the ministry. No one henceforth was to preach in Geneva without the authorization by the company. The consent of the city council and the congregation was also required. But Episcopal ordinances and bishops were taboo. The new clergy, while never claiming the miraculous powers of the Catholic priest, and though decreeing themselves ineligible for civil office, became under Calvin more powerful than any priesthood since ancient Israel. And we see the same church structure today, where members of churches are required to obey the rules of the pastor, the bishop, and the elders. And we're steadily seeing church's foundation of being a business or a company to govern the masses or its members while becoming very rich and wealthy through stealing lands and countries, enslavements, tithes, and taxes. 
Now, in regards to slavery, per Calvin's sermons, he was aware of the slave trades taking place, just as Martin Luther did, and they both chose not to condone the enslavement of Hebrew Israelites and Moors occurring throughout Europe in the 16th century. But you're enforcing and demanding everyone to obey your rules and laws of your new Protestant doctrine now called Calvinism. Michael Servertes, a Spanish theologian, disagreed with Calvinism. So Calvin compiled 38 accusations against him and had him burned to death. Calvin disagreed with Sebastian Castellio, a French theologian, and his interpretation of the Song of Solomon and opposed his ordination. So Calvin has the time to persecute those who disagrees with his theology, but no time to speak out and stop the slave trade happening in the 16th century. Here we are again, the descendants of Japheth and Esau, the Europeans, choosing not to condone the enslavement of the Hebrew Israelites. This is the foundation of the Christian church. Calvin's followers were just like him as they started a revolution of threatening people into Calvinism all over Europe. His followers would spread Calvinism everywhere they went. French Calvinists even tried to overthrow the government, but thousands of them were killed. KingdomPreppers.org states, Geneva was viewed as the unofficial capital of this religious revolution, which the ardent followers of Calvin saw as a promise of the coming kingdom. From Geneva, many of Calvin's disciples returned to the European countries to spread his brand of theology, and thus Calvinism was able to break out of its original boundaries and become an international denomination. The movement started as a minor affair in France, but when influential members of nobility were converted, all of that changed, most notably the Huguenots, who were French Calvinists that took Calvin's words completely to heart, attempted to seize control of the French government. Thousands of them were butchered in 1572 on what is called St. Bartholomew's Day. This put an end to their efforts to threaten the Catholic hold on that region though they retained some influence in the country. Due to Calvin's missionary work in France, the Reformation eventually reached the French-speaking provinces of the Netherlands, which was ruled by Catholic Spain. So the Catholics of Spain would have an ongoing battle with the Calvinists and the Huguenots, aka French Calvinists. Philip II, the King of Spain, took the side of the Catholics, but the region had Catholics in it, Lutherans, Anabaptists, and Calvinists. The Calvinists preached a militant message against taxes and Protestant prosecutions and was able to convert many more people into the movement. You see, they're always plotting and making these political moves and never about turning the people's hearts to Yah. With the many conversions, the Calvinists had enough people to form a synod. The Belgic Confession was adopted as confessional standards of the Reformed Church in the first synod of the Dutch Reformed Church in 1561. Calvinism was adopted in the electorate of the Palatinate under Frederick III, which led to the foundation of the Heidelberg Catechism in 1563. John Calvin would seize land and build a school called the Geneva Academy for the education of youth and seminary for adults. Carlos M. N. Erie in his book Reformation states, under his direction, the academy quickly became a venerable factory of reformed clerics 
and especially of hundreds of French natives who returned to their kingdom immediately, full of zeal and well-educated in reformed theology. These missionaries trained at Calvin's Academy brought home with them the Genevan model, creating throughout France a tight, growing network of Huguenot churches. In the 16th and 17th centuries, Geneva would thus play a role in French history more significant than any other French city. Geneva would also figure prominently in the history of many other nations. In the 1550s especially, Geneva became a truly international center of religious fervor, earning itself the title of the Protestant Rome. Italians, Spaniards, Germans, Scots, Englishmen, Netherlands, Poles, Hungarians, Bavarians, and others took up residence or passed through. Those who returned home, like the French clergy, trained in the academy, brought with them Calvin's theology and his Genevan blueprints for reform. From the Protestant Calvinism movement came John Winthrop, an English lawyer who was a follower of John Calvin, but was called a Puritan. Puritans was another form or name for Calvinism. They wanted to reform and purify the Church of England from the Roman Catholic practices. John Winthrop would take his Calvinism Puritan message to the New World, where he indeed owned slaves. John Knox, a Scottish theologian, led the reformation of Scotland to Calvinism. Alex Ryrie states that John Knox was a disciple of Calvin's who lacked his master's subtlety and made up for it in zeal. He was entranced by the idea of spiritual equality. John Knox said, all men is equal, equal not in rights, but in responsibilities. What? Also, John Knox drafted the Confession of Faith and Articles of Religion for Scotland, which ended Catholicism in Scotland. KingdomPreppers.org states, Scotland stood as the embodiment of the Reformation with its decisive Catholic versus Protestant conflict. The lowly preacher and his common followers pitted against the powerful high-born queen, her court, and the mother church. The dynamic would shift in Knox's favor, and even Mary's descendants would fail to slow the progress of Calvinism in the country. In fact, Scotland came to be the most Calvinistic of all countries in the world. And when John Calvin met his end in 1564, Calvinism had spread throughout Europe and would soon storm America. Thus, many labored tirelessly to ensure that Calvinism would not die with its founder. From century to century, the descendants of Japhet and Esau are interpreting scripture for their political and financial benefits. This is the foundation of the Roman Catholic Christian Church and now the Protestant Christian Church. Did they bother to study or gain knowledge from the Holy Ruah? from the Torah, the teachings of Yesiah, or just have a conversation with the original black Hebrew Israelites? The answer is no, because their own personal interpretation of scripture was enough. Each one of these Roman Catholic Christian leaders and now Protestant Christian leaders were raised in Roman provinces of Europe and were taught and learned the ways of Rome from birth. 
So if they really wanted to know the truth of how to follow Yah and to obey his word and commandments, they could have reached out to the original people or at least tried to follow the truth of where the descendants of Sham started and moved to. But throughout the study of the Roman Catholic Christian Church and now the Protestant Christian Church, they intentionally didn't include the original black Hebrew Israelites, the Torah, the Holy Ruah, the Old Testament prophets, nor the teachings of Isaiah. Their own personal interpretation of scripture was all they needed to convert the masses for political and financial gain. Mark 8, 36. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthwars.com or comment here. We don't claim to know everything. We just seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that knows everything. Let truth roar. Let truth reign. Let truth speak. And let truth set you and your entire family free. Truth roars. Truth reigns. Truth speaks. Truth sets me free. Please see a podcast disclaimer at truthwars.com.